Dear listeners, welcome to a special sponsored edition of Medicine Today on Digital Health, a podcast about new technologies in medicine and healthcare around the world. I am your host, a healthcare journalist, Yasha Zaitz, and today we are traveling to the country of 140 million people and extreme discipline. Why? You're going to hear how a city with 12 million people managed to connect more than 600 primary care facilities to monitor their performance and have a live surveillance of waiting times and processes in healthcare. My guest today is Anna Dubovic, a data analyst working for the government of Moscow. We talked about EMIAS, an integrated medical information and analytical system, which has been in place for five years now. As said, it connects more than 660 clinics and over 23.6 thousand medical practitioners in Moscow. The system offers pretty much everything and more you could imagine and expect from a high-tech clinical IT system. Electronic health records are stored in the cloud. Managers can see real-time analysis of patient flow, online appointments, e-prescriptions and more. More than 9 million unique patients have tried the system so far. But before we start, a few words about our sponsor. Marant is a Slovenian IT company which has been developing IT solutions for 28 years. Last few years they have been focusing on healthcare and you might be wondering how Marant from Slovenia and Russia go together. The EMIAS system I mentioned runs on Marant's Think EHR platform, a cloud platform storing clinical data in a vendor-neutral open EHR format. What does that mean? Simply said, it's a solution that enables interoperability and data exchange among healthcare facilities. More specifically, Open EHR is an international standard for universal interoperability among all forms of electronic and clinically relevant health data. Open EHR got serious international recognition when, in April this year, Gartner recognized it as a good solution for data connectivity and interoperability. It could be applied to a city or a large municipality which has a five-year or more ambition for a single citywide health and social care record. It could also apply to national e-health programs and health delivery organizations that want to collaborate with other organizations through an improved care of patients thanks to easier, secure and better exchange of standardized data. Now let's hear how a high-tech interoperable super surveillance system looks like. Anna, if we start with uh, healthcare in Russia, it has quite a bad reputation in the world. So Russia really does not attribute much of the GDP to uh, to healthcare. What's your experience uh, with the healthcare system? And we can then continue with the IT system that you're working on. Sure, sure. So a quick introduction is that uh, Russia has government-funded uh, healthcare system. There is a huge distribution system about Russia. Moscow has its own budget for healthcare, and Moscow has its own distribution of that. And the Department of Healthcare of Moscow 
not the Russian one. So in the Department of IT of Moscow, that they are collaborating around the healthcare digital transformation, that is not the uh, Russian one. So they have developed the integrated medical information system. And this one is that they were running on, that we're store data, and the one that we are doing the visualization you. Okay, so 12 million people, one IT system. Yep. How did you manage to implement that? It and took five years. And now, in five years, we have uh, online signing up for the doctor's visit, and doctor is available today or tomorrow. This is the waiting time that we set up for a therapy or general practitioner checkup. So if you feel that something is wrong with you, therapist is available today at your glance near your house. And for the e-prescription, doctors sign not the handwritten recipe anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you can do sign up from your phone, from your mobile app, from website. You can walk in to the hospital and get, and you don't have any more the paper-based, you know, the medical record that you had to carry around. Doctor still fills up something, but it's mostly in the system. Your diagnosis, your visits, the referrals, the slots. 12 million patients, as you said, are each day generating this number of medical records and visits and everything. And this needs to be managed somehow. So this is why we are developing a monitoring system because we as a government, you know, are foreseeing all of the primary care facilities because EMIAS is now on the primary care facilities. Let's go a step back. Five years ago, if I was a patient, how did I go to the doctor and how is the system different today? And the most important question, who decided that it's a good idea to just uh, put an IT system uh, among all the hospitals? And of course, the idea is not the problem, the implementation is. So I will start from the end and then we'll get to the, you know, the drastical change that happened. Like a fairy tale. Once upon a time, time there was some Russian healthcare, now totally different. It became only possible of the collaboration between healthcare and IT. You know, in each government possible, they fight for the power, budget, well, political. Departments are responsible for their own stuff and they don't want to make any friends. But in Moscow, what was mayor's main idea about the governmental structure is that the Department of IT is actually developing whatever inner systems are required for the rest of departments. So Department of IT and Department of Healthcare got a united front to build the informatization system because healthcare was one of the major concerns of the citizens. You know, having a enabling healthcare solves many more foreseeable problems than just feeling better. So this is the enabling part. And then the dramatical change part is that Now, when people complain, there is actually someone who listens and someone who has to take action upon that. Before, when people complain, what they could do is that they would be walking to a registration table and yelling at the lady that is working there, you know, 24-7, and she has like three kids and she's super tired. And so they just do this, you know, local complaining part, and no one actually sees what's the big picture. Now, if there is a trend, we see it. If there is an emergency car going the ways or delivering patients for a too long period of time, because we have traffic in Moscow and it's horrible, we see it and we take action upon it. So five years ago? 
five years ago. The, it was the mayor's decision to put a lot of emphasis on the um, informatization of healthcare. Yeah, it's his main focus still. Uh, we are now doing the image recognition because the system is in place. So all you have to do is just add up more and more digitalization to it. First, you did simple, like, you know, signing for a doctor. Then you brought all doctors and you joined them in a schedule. The more e-referrals, e-prescriptions, the more and more and more. Now we're at the stage where we can actually do the learning of the data and data discovery which is really popular right now. So mm. we are doing the projects on image recognition and patient uh, machine learning data analysis in order to provide better care, to do it automatically, like to provide doctor with some insight that is hidden in patient visit to other doctors or mm. doing his instrumental checkup on something, CT, AKG, whatever. So how was the IT system put in place in different hospitals? Was there just a huge budget? So hospitals had the funds to implement the the changes and uh, I assume a lot of uh, processes had to be changed, workflows, doctors had to be trained. You can't just draw up a law and say you have to do this. IT people and doctors are two different kind of species. So only uh, the IT is carried by the IT people. So Department of IT in a year has many things to do. And each year there was a part of the budget of Department of IT that is spent on the healthcare informatization improvement. And they were doing a five-year plan, which they still follow. And they are actually fulfilling on the site. So first, why to buy the computers? Because you don't have the computers in the hospitals. Then to train the doctors. This is the part where the healthcare department steps in because this is their interest. We have even now the program in the Lyceums for medical uh, nurses and, you know, for the medical staff to go through EMIAS as a part of educational program. So this is now, you know, incorporated there. We had to train doctors before. Now it's just in place. Did you test the system yourself, you know, so you could like say from a patient point of view how things used to look like if you needed a doctor or a specialist and how does it look now? I did. I did try the, the system myself. So I was once sick with the flu. I, I really don't like uh, going to hospitals or primary care. It, it takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes time in any way. So you have to take a day off and so on. But when it gets super bad, you know, we actually go there. So I once went and I realized that the system is in place and the monitoring is done and the hospital looks nice. All the guidance signs, because every time there's some law coming from the Department of Healthcare, it already automatically executes in all of the facilities. And I realized that there's only one part missing, a people education. It's still shaped in a way of the five year back or 15 year back. So they still want to get in the room in front of you. And it takes doctors a huge effort to stop them from doing so. Uh -huh. For, for uh, patients to skip the line. Yeah, yeah. So you were, you know, let's say you're a doctor and I'm sitting and you are asking for my uh, symptoms. Like, how are you feeling? Do you have fever? And then the doctor, the door opens and the doctor would be like, excuse me, I'm having a patient here. And they're like, but I am just here to ask. I have this prescription and it's due to something, la, 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 la. And they would be like, no, 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 you have your time. You know, I have something, you have a nurse, you can color, you know, talk to nurse. No, I have to talk to you. And it takes so much work from doctors to actually educate people to behave 
in the systematical way. The culture is still a problem. Yeah, the, the culture is still a problem. So what kind of data is in the system at the moment? We currently store everything from your checkup or sign-up. So the time that you sign up, what was the source, who was the doctor, specific name to the doctor, everything, everything. Then when you come to visit, we know when the visit started, we know what is your diagnosis, and we know if there's any prescription referral, whatever happened to you in the end as an end result. And we know if there was a secondary visit, what time was the secondary visit, and so on. So we know this chain of care that has been from a moment when you required help to the point when you stopped in the process of healthcare, you know, providers. So what did you what do you do with all these data? A lot of IT systems are good, but if you don't really do any analytics, it's no use having a good system. And there are two types of analytics and we actually do both. Doctor needs to know what's going on with his uh, group of patients. Then the ward lead or the main doctor on ward needs to know what's happening with all of his doctors and their patients. And then the head of the clinic or the primary care facility needs to know what's going on with his, you know, wards. They have to know where they, how to plan, how to allocate everything. So for this, we use the analytic system. Uh, it's called analytical subsystem developed by a department of IT for healthcare. So this is where doctor logs in and he sees his schedule his visits, his patients, everything about the activity in this uh, data that we store. But for the government people, we have a different thing. All of that KPIs and dashboards and reports that doctors are able to perceive, the government people are not able to perceive. Uh-huh. So only the doctor can see the patient data? Totally. You know, we never, we never share it with the operational management because this is personal and then doctor can access it can you know open a, an ehr of the previous time but for the government we use accumulated uh anonymized data and then when you take 12, 12 million and you put it all to action then you actually see the picture okay so what is the picture i'm curious what did you find out in the five years since the system has been in place You know, when we had the system and whenever I'm showing it to anyone, it's it's like a game when you see the whole Moscow and all the facilities there. And then you see all of the doctor specialities. And then let's say you're looking at the waiting time. Because when a patient comes to a door, then maybe doctor couldn't take him in time. So he waits, you know, maybe five minutes. But when it, we were starting, the waiting lines were like 40 minutes. For if under the door to the doctor's visit. And then we knew which hospitals are doing it. So we knew specifically which operational manager as a government we have to contact in order to ask for the reason. But then this is layer one. But then you are like, how, how is he solving it? So he has to know something about this. So when you're going into the specific clinic in the system, you see how doctors actually perform because maybe it's only one doctor who is maybe on vacation, maybe he forgot to close his schedule, so people are signing for the visit and then never able to, you know, achieve that visit, but the system counts. And so when you open a hospital, you see the whole range of specialities. You go down to specialty, down to specific doctor. So everything is visualized, the waiting times of doctors, so you don't even have to go from hospital to hospital because you can already see everything and it's just uh, it just pops out 
it's as I told you, uh, already, uh, anonymized. We don't know who the doctor is, but we just know that there's some problem with someone. But now we are looking at this Moscow separated by areas. And here you can see the hospitals. They are connected in chains, meaning that if this couldn't provide the care, then this one would step in. You know, they share the rare facility or their rare procedures and rare specialties. Okay. So how did you change? The processes in the hospital to decrease the waiting time is one thing is to detect them, but how did you actually, what did you do? Uh, <laughs> in fact, you have to define the business processes. And this is the time that takes a lot of business analysis put in the system because you have to know at each moment of the time, what are the actors doing? It was a huge analytical process and Department of Healthcare actually has a group of people who do that and they're called situation center, meaning you have a situation and the center deal with that situation. So doctors could get their request there. Like, for example, we know that on your system, we are somehow bad, but for us, processes are good. Deal with that. And so they go in a system, go through the process and see what's behind it. It's not that it's totally obvious who is guilty in this and there's no one guilty. You just know specifically the root of the problem and then you deal uh, at the hospital level with this. How many data analytics work on this? Uh, two years ago, uh, when Department of IT was helping out the Situation Center to be established, it was 30 analytics who were hired uh, immediately. And when EMEAS was in place, you know, in order to do this analytics and business analysis and case detection and, you know, everything, it was 30 analytics and they were a really high uh, degree of knowledge. So 15 people look at the map of Moscow and are checking where waiting times are too long. Waiting times, unsatisfactory feedback from patients, depending. We give, we send questionnaires to patients after they visited, you know, on a randomized. Is that on an app also or? It, it's also, you know, it's also all, everything that is done in the hospital has some case in the system that could be relieving it. So, you know, after you realize that there is a problem with the waiting time, you go to a different informer that tells you what is the schedule for today and how was this, um, you know, Windows for visited distributed, like whether distributed evenly, non-evenly, is it a weekday or a weekend, men, women, who was coming for what, all of this is... Has anyone ever complained that this is a, a bit maybe kind of a scary surveillance? Because it's a, such a high degree of, you know, you basically know, you can see everything. But inside there's no patient data and no doctor data. You couldn't say that therapist of last name Smith is doing a bad job. You can call a hospital that is showing bad results and, and ask them to explain why do you have this waiting line. And then they go this to duty to doctors. This therapy ward goes to his therapist and he says, okay, let's see what your patients were. And so they all can open their dashboard saying, I was doing this and this. This is my patients. This is how I manage them. And so after this, they could report how the problem was solved. If they don't know, then the situation center steps in because they are also healthcare people. They're ex-operational managers of hospitals. So how, on the city level, how much analytics did you do with the data that's being gathered and available for analysis? 
you have to constantly work on it. So this team of uh, Situation Center is doing analytics all the time. But what about, I mean, in terms of uh, the population health, if you compare the fact that five years ago you didn't really have a good overview over the population, but now because the IT system is in place, you could probably get more information on diagnosis where the biggest issues are. So that kind of practical experiences, like what, what were the outcomes or uh, findings that kind of surprised you or for the first fact, we realized that we didn't know anything before. And now we actually know all the diseases we can prognose each month, the volume of people that will be, you know, applying for the visit and we know how many doctors should be there and we know how their schedule should be filled. Uh, so basically if there, if it's a flu season, you will prepare in advance to have more doctors ready. Yeah. We would just, you know, try to relocate their vacations and their educations and courses and sick leaves and everything just to have enough doctors in place to distribute and face the demand of the city. And the same, if we would decide to roll out a screening program you know screening program when you invite people and actually tell them come on we are doing this akg detection software come and try it out you have to do this regular checkup for your heart so you have to based on this uh, demand uh, prognosis you have to really allocate your resources Mm -hmm. you have to plan Mm -hmm. and this is the only way uh, there's, oh, there's only one side of uh, data interpretation. Then when you know the diagnoses that are being prescribed, you know what medications are required at this specific time. So you don't store all the medications in the pharmacy at the hospital. It's impossible in, in the primary care. You know what needs to be in place in a specific time. How much information do you have on the, is there any change in patient outcomes or just population health in Moscow now? Uh, Has it improved? Like, or can you, can you compare it maybe to, to, to other cities? The situation five years ago was that bad. So just having a system in place and making uh, access to care available was a huge step up. Now, improving care is actually monitoring the quality, meaning we need more data towards how the treatment process goes. And this is the data that we are starting to collect with the electronic healthcare records. And so developing electronic healthcare records is currently shifting us towards taking a direction in cardiology and in oncology as our major directions we want to fight against of the diseases. So that's why we're doing the recommendation system in that area. We're doing the guidelines, meaning the doctors are educated in a facility, in an institution, but then they come and then apply the knowledge. Where did um, city of Moscow just find the funds to to start a program like this? What I'm trying to see is how scalable is the system. Could you scale it to other cities as well? It should be of a simplified functionality. So in order to store the data, you need the data storage. Then internet. In When we started, we didn't have internet in any polyclinics. Now it's there, it's available, it's free Wi-Fi for you know people who are attending. This is also a costly part for Russia 
every process, every step of the process that we have finished in Moscow needs to be done in Russia. So in terms of scalable as a product, it's a process of transformation. So EMIAS is a result of that process. Then we could have EMIAS. But it's just... Uh... Um, healthcare systems really struggle with um, investments in IT and Russia, who, which is uh, uh, attributing between four to six uh, percent of GDP to healthcare depends on either you look at the WHO or um, OECD data. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's six percent, let's say six percent of the GDP goes to healthcare, mm-hmm. and which is already much less than other developed countries for example do Mm -hmm. the europeans are uh, around nine percent at nine percent per country and uh, they have issues with putting money into it you know so that's why Mm -hmm. i find it kind of fascinating that this can happen here bringing a system it is maybe 15 percent of work Mm -hmm. no matter how much money it does if the uh, is there a political will to do if there a political will are doctors actually participating in it is it going to make their life easier are they willing to contribute time to educate to relocate their you know time to this studying the system all of that needs to be sorted out. And Russia is not, uh, you know, a simple entity. It's multiple entities of, you know, South region, Siberia region. Someone is rich in, let's say, you know, industry development. So whatever the region does, they're like healthcare, maybe, but then we are so rich about oil. We want to do oil all over and, you know, healthcare is, you know, they can go to Moscow and treat themselves. Russia is not. That simple. It's, a, it's the, a huge country. Yeah, when you're saying this world healthcare GDP, I'm saying, well, you know, it, you're saying average, meaning yeah, in one region it's whole, 15, mm-hmm. in one it's three, then other. It's so much more complex. So this is probably also interesting for other countries or other cities. Are you also outsourcing the system to someone else? We are outsourcing the tools on which, uh, you know, we build our monitoring and we are outsourcing the guidelines on how this was done. We are establishing relationship with Slovenia and with Great Britain and we have been to a conference in Barcelona on Health 2.0 in order to explain the digital transformation. In, in terms of analytics that you've uh, already done, what kind of anomalies or problems can you detect apart from the waiting times? There are many you could see the diagnosis distribution. It is really hard to define why uh, this specific diagnosis was set up because we are currently building electronic lab orders and electronic instrumental diagnostics. So we couldn't dig in more. Actually, we never talked with you about money, money distribution about the hospital or primary care and then inside the wards. You have to know if this hospital is performing so well and never is in trouble. How is the money distribution there? You have to know. So you have all that data. Oh, everything is digital. Yeah. All of the data on, on salaries and everything, it's electronically handled. So that is also there. Not in the, you know, not available for the government, of course. You know, you only but can for the see hospitals. for the head of the hospital, you know, only he can see. But then if there is a problem, then the situation center steps in. In the moment, we are 
facing a problem of dealing with the cancelled appointments. When you have the system so easy to use and so fantastic, the next problem you're facing is that I can do multiple uh, assignments to the doctor therapist. It's really easy. I take my phone, I get in the app and I say, okay, I, I'm not sure like if I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 10 to be there. So let's just for safety do 10, 11, 12, 1, 130. Because we have a law in Russia or in Moscow specifically that care should be available without any prohibition. So basically as a patient, you can set up five appointments if you yeah, want. If you want. So this is now the part that is being balanced. The how very you, beginning. How are you dealing with that? Well, this is educating people. We couldn't actually block them. If you have the system of such potential, you couldn't say, oh, if you do more than five, we are not allowing you. It is actually this system of uh, lighting up. Let's say if you're signing in for 10 and then you're trying to do 11, then we do your pop-up. Do you want to cancel your visit for 10? Because you're currently having a visit for 10. Mm. And then this is the interface issue of how to shape the behavior of the patients. So what did the data show? How often do people really book five appointments in a day or a week? You know, when we were actually pushing uh, this availability of the patients up to 25% were canceled and or no show, you know, canceled or no show. And when you are again, 12 million patients that could potentially sign, you can do the math. If 25% no show how many doctors are actually sitting in a, a primary care waiting for a patient because they don't cancel also, they no show. That is an interface problem that we're trying to solve how to lead the patient to proper behavior and proper management of the time of the uh, given resources. Any other examples that you could perhaps mention where the statistics showed flaws in the system? Yeah, sure. When we first, doctors were not happy about the system in the beginning because they are used to the stuff they do and they don't want any change. So when this electronic health record was there, their whole idea was to click as fast as possible just to get with the electronic part of the system out of their way so they can get to the real deal how they used to do things. So the process was like this. A person signs up, sits in the hallway, and a doctor decides to take in the person. And so he presses the button, start a visit. So the doctor has a specific window of, let's say, 15 to 20 minutes to get the analysis and talk to a patient and define either to refer him or treat or something. But then this is long. I mean, for doctors, when they started, this is like, oh my God, I have to press this and this. So they were like, hit start. Then they would do whatever, enter on the diagnosis, just hit enter and then hit end. Really easy, three clicks. So very, very early stage of implementing a system showed that the most popular diagnosis is cholera. You want to know why? So when you're doing the start a visit and then you simply hit enter, the system fills you the simplest first available in the drop down list diagnosis, which is cholera. And then you have the end diagnosis and then you talk to a person and then you tell him what to do. So basically because the, the diagnosis was first on the drop down menu, it, the statistics showed like an increase because in this disease. Doctors because doctors were skipping it. This is how we knew what's, what's inside. But how, I mean, weren't the doctors worried that they would be, have a completely messed up patient records? 
we didn't have the patient records at that time. We were just not a patient record as a lifelong, but patient records. Uh-huh. So 10 visits. And who's going to look at those visits? That was the main So it was idea. just like a test. Yeah. So when we started this uh, computerizing and digitalizing, we were facing many, many issues. And then doctors were hitting this start and end. And then we got this one minute visits, like 10,000 of one minute visit per day. And what could you possibly solve in one minute? Then nothing. So we realized that they're just skipping the digitalizing part solved and many more. <laughs> so many. Funny facts as well. Yeah, many funny facts. I mean, one day uh, when we are done with all of this, we're going to publish the Yimian's, you know, uh, humor book because it it is funny and sad at the same time, but then you had to deal with this. And this is the only way you are going to the right process. So what's your biggest challenge? Ooh, this is the treatment guidelines uh, because every doctor has its own view on how to treat and we just don't have the system yet in place to accumulate everything that happens to a patient. So we will have this, you know, most popular treatment kind of a digitized system. Yeah, because it was never developed before. You know, we, we are Russia now, but we were Soviet Union. So basically, Russia is the heritage of the Soviet Union healthcare. And most of that had to be redone. What were the most uh, common patient complaints? Patients are used to the old way of doing stuff and they are, you know, they're so attached to their health and like paper based health record and they're so attached to talking to a doctor about a doctor in, in Russia before we started was sort of no matter what your specialty is, you're a therapist because your time isn't limited. I'm coming to see you and I would be like, so how's family? And you're like, well, you know, kids are good. When this is good, this is also fantastic. And so patients were telling them their life story, not the anamnesis of their symptoms. And so they still want to do it. And they still want to have know, the personal have, contact, have control. Actually, they want to have a leading role in their treatment. They don't want to listen to what doctor prescribes or tells. They're like, I googled it. I'm fantastic in my googling. I want to solve my problem my and way. Discuss it. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you know, now when the system is there, doctors couldn't actually run around with the you know all the possible ideas of the patient because they've been forced to by patient. Yeah, now because patients, they were monitored. Yeah, patients has to obey and they don't want to obey, so complain and and we have to deal with that as well. Basically, the patients are forced to stay. Uh, in the office for a shorter time. Yes, we have a time uh, window on which, for each specific specialization, it's a different time uh, frame. But then the doctor has to fulfill all the questionnaires. If not, he does does a secondary visit. But then, like in in twenty minutes, they have to sort it out. So, since we're talking about the cultural aspects of visiting a doctor, are gifts common for for patients to bring to doctors? Oh, uh, that is also a 
problematic area because the minister of uh, of uh, healthcare was actually against that. That is now prohibited. That is not prohibited, but it just stopped. You know, when the system was in place, people were afraid of who's watching. As you remember, you mentioned it yourself. It's just this giant system who's watching. In fact, not, but it creates the feeling. Uh, we know actually the time the doctor are, are working. We know when they, you know, when they type stuff, when they're with the patient, because we know all of that. So if we see, you know, huge gaps, we try to fulfill that time. If we couldn't, we're looking, why not? Presence and then, you know, having a chit chat. Yeah, chit chat for the, you know, reg- registration table mostly, you know. They have, they have time for breaks. They have all sections possible in their schedule, but it's all constructed and fulfilled. And it's more optimized or just more under surveillance now. It's more under surveillance, first of all, of the primary care management. If people wouldn't complain, there's nothing to do about. But now they actually care in advance how they look in the eyes of the whole system and in comparison to the rest of primary care facilities. So you presented the system around the the world in different countries. Has anyone ever said that it's kind of scarily um, detailed? It depends on the culture because, you know, we never presented it in states. Oh, you guess the state's reaction to it would be like, this is too much. It should be, it should not be like this. But then they don't have a government, uh, whole united uh, front. They have all these insurance companies and they're fighting for the patients. Mm-hmm. This is a totally different story. When we showed this system in uh, Slovenia, we got fantastic feedback because it was, (laughs) yeah, now you're getting scared because you know what could happen, you know, they might like it. Which other countries did you go to? Uh, We were in this conference in Barcelona and we also had fantastic feedback. And Germany? No, no Germany. Uh, We were talking Asia, uh, Great Britain, Britain, Great Britain. And Great Britain was, this is the, the difference. We do primary care. And no one is actually looking too much in the primary care because all of the money are like in the hospitals. The, the most expensive drugs, the most expensive doctors, the most expensive surgeries are hospitals. So that's why no one is super shocked by the level of how it could be because they do totally different stuff. But when we will do hospitals, this is when the, the whole earth is going to like shake. Do you have any data on the expenditure and optimization in the financial sense since the implementation of the system? Uh, There was some statistics that I could, of course, share with you, uh, at least about uh, how many tons of trees we're saving by doing the e-prescription. Just based on paper, we are saving millions of rubles. Then also on the secondary visits, when the doctor can solve a problem in just one, this is where the money, you know, save is. Then when you know that the doctor is actually, you know, devoted to the patient in this specific time frame, and then this number of, you know, visits will be served. You don't over hire doctors. You don't, you know, get them sitting around and being bored. Because it's summer and we didn't allow them to go anywhere in the summer, but the patients actually went. And doctors are like, you know, for bad behavior being left out. We have different problems, but this is money saving. Mm, yeah, problems will always be there. Da, da, da. And solutions as well. Uh, as long as we try and push hard, that's for sure. 
Anna, thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for being such a great host. This is it. Thank you for listening the 15th episode of Medicine Today on Digital Health. In the next episode, coming out in the beginning of September, we are going to talk about digital solutions that are reshaping how clinical trials are conducted. Stay tuned and do subscribe to the podcast if you like the content. It will be also very welcome if you uh, leave a comment or rate us because that really helps increase the visibility of the podcast. Stay tuned.